0: Welcome to this edition of Community Matters Podcast, where we discuss issues important to managing and governing condos, cooperatives, and homeowner associations. My name is Tony Campisi, Executive Director of Community Associations Institutes Pennsylvania and Delaware Valley Chapter. Most community associations probably don't think very often about the building's pipes, but it might be too late by the time a leak shows up. Your pipes are likely already failing. We'll be discussing Repipe as a critical capital improvement in today's episode of Community Matters Podcast. My guest today is David Hosfeld, Vice President for Sagewater, a pipe replacement expert that operates coast to coast. David, thank you for joining me today. And please tell our listeners a little bit, a little bit about Sagewater.
1: So Sagewater is a company uh, that specializes in a niche market of pipe replacement in occupied condominiums, apartments, and commercial buildings. Uh, We were founded in 1988, um, where we're a little bit different than a contractor uh, that is like a general contractor. We specialize in doing everything turnkey. That would be uh, the aspect of uh, pipe replacement, doing the drywall, the painting services, and the other thing that's a little bit different is we do everything fully occupied, where residents don't move out. And you know, since 1988, we've done over 100,000 units, and we have a nationwide footprint. Uh, we are uh, have an office in in Philadelphia and, and handle the Philadelphia, New Jersey market, and we're corporate out of Alexandria, Virginia.
0: Okay, sounds good. Thank you. Before we get into the content, I do want to recognize the sponsor of today's podcast episode, Belfort Property Restoration, providing mold, water, fire, storm cleanup, and restoration services. And you can find their local Moorestown, New Jersey office at www.belfort.com. So your building is leaking, your pipes are failing, your insurance company might even be calling, you need a repipe. The problem is it could cost millions of dollars and your community association board does not have the money in its reserves. David, why does this happen?
1: Well, there, there's a couple things uh, when you talk about why did this happen. Uh, you know, first of all, why do pipes fail and the reason behind that is, everything has a useful life. And uh, so you basically have age issues. Uh, the second thing is that you possibly could have a defective uh, type of material. There are different systems that are out there. But when it comes to the reserves and, and the boards not uh, being prepared for these, a lot has to do with uh, you know reserve studies and have the reserve studies been done in detail to deal with infrastructure problems. I mean, it's not just necessarily plumbing. I mean, you can have the same problems with electrical and your elevators and things along that line. So planning for a capital improvement project and reserving for these is extremely important because it's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when.
0: Right. Can you explain
1: uh, what a repipe pipe is and, and what all it entails? So you you have three systems within a a building, uh, either high-rise or garden-style. Garden-style would be your two- to three-story walk-up-type buildings. Um, And of course, even in your individual home. And those systems are, first of all, domestic water. That would be your drinking water. Um, Those will fail because they have a useful life out of them. Uh, the other that you have is your drain pipes. That's where when you flush a toilet or when it goes down your kitchen sink. And those two have a useful life and at some point have to get them replaced. And that's what we call a repipe. And there are certain uh, situations where your heating and cooling, it's more in high-rise buildings, but your heating and cooling is done off a central plant and uh it uses water to go through pipes. They are either cold water for chilling or hot water for heat that then go through a fan coil in your unit to create the heating and/or cooling. Those two have a useful life that they eventually do need to get uh, repiped. And when you talk about the word entails, what does it entail? Basically, a repipe is where you go in and you cut holes in the sheetrock, uh, either in the unit or in the hallways and you take out the old plumbing system and you install a new plumbing system. We're not talking about, hey, we're gonna get a new kitchen or hey, we're getting a new faucet. We're talking about, hey, we're getting the new piping system. That's what a repipe is.
0: So, you know, Pennsylvania has a lot of old buildings, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, uh, even the suburbs and and the rural parts of Pennsylvania with clearly with aging uh,
1: systems. What is the average life for most plumbing systems? So HUD uh, has done a great uh, job in Fannie Mae putting together, uh, you know, useful life tables. So plumbing systems, which would be, uh, for example, your domestic water, that's your drinking water again. Uh, They put a 30 to 50 year lifespan. And um, I'd like to say that uh, I I fall within that 30 to 50 year lifespan, but 30 to 50 years is not that old anymore. You know, I'm uh, 52 years old, born 1968, seems like it was yesterday. Well, that means that the plumbing system in a building that is built, uh, you know, prior to 1970 is older than 50 years. The drain waste and vent, that's your, your sewer piping within the building. Uh, they put 50 years on that. Um, heating and cooling pipes that we talked about a little bit earlier. Uh, their projective useful life is 30 years. So when you put all those systems together, they're, they're no different than tires on a car. Uh, eventually that tread will wear out. You can be the person that gets it done prematurely and say, hey, I'd want to have good traction and I'm going to get it done every 10,000 miles. Or you're going to be like most other people, you're going to go until they get down to the point where, hey, it's gotten so thin, I need to go ahead and get these replaced. That's what's happening within plumbing systems. Same thing. The pipes are thinning out and they eventually get to the point where there's no useful life wear left in them and they are causing more leaks and more damages than it's worth and you get them repiped. So so given that what you just outlined, when should a community association start planning for a repipe? So um, there's there's two things that you can look at. Um, you you can be a little bit on the proactive side where it's like, okay, I know my building is you know 40 years old and, and this is going to happen at some point. And I need to start taking this you know, seriously. And uh, I'm, I'm gonna look and try to see what reserve studies have been done and what's the detail of the reserve study. Reserve studies are great, but you can get a boilerplate one that costs you know, $99 and you can get one that costs $5,000. Depending on the level of that reserve study is gonna determine if you have been reserving for these type of capital improvements. The other way uh, that you can look for is, okay, we are leaking, uh, we are having major damages, and we're having insurance issues, and this is something we need to do within the next few years. When you look at those types of situations and you don't have the reserve funds, then you're looking at things such as special assessment and or uh, most properties will go the loan route to uh, you know, make it easier on the residents, where the residents are either having it funded through their annual budget or having a um, an additional uh, let's use the word mortgage payment that you're making monthly to pay down the loan that the property has taken on for these types of projects.
0: You know, finances are always an issue in community associations. Uh, and this sounds like an expensive proposition. So, what what's the average cost of a repipe?
1: Um, as we talked about, you have the three different systems that are out there. Uh, you have the domestic, the heating, cooling, and the drain, waste, and vent. And then, of course, you have high-rise buildings, and you have that walk-up uh, that we were talking about a little bit earlier—the two, uh, two to three-story buildings. So, high rises are uh, traditionally more expensive, uh, you know, just due to the size of the piping, the constraints working in a high rise building, getting on an elevator, going up to the 35th floor, up and back. Uh, so on a high rise for the uh, domestic water, which is the drinking water, you typically can average, uh, uh, you know, maybe $10,000 a unit. I mean, you can go a little bit h- lower, you can go a little bit higher, a lot will depend on the, the elements and the, and the height of the building. For the heating and cooling pipes in a high rise building, you're usually in the seven to 10,000, what we call a riser floor, because some units have multiple uh, heating and cooling systems within them, these fan coils. And a drain waste and vent uh, has a pretty large range because drain waste and vent is typically a very uh, invasive where you possibly have to remove and reset kitchens and tile and things along that line. So you can be in the ten dollars to $25,000 range. You can sometimes even be a little bit more than that. When you look at the garden style walk-ups, the uh, domestic, the drinking water is in the four to $7,000 per unit range. Uh, the hydronic is about the same as the uh, high rise in the seven dollars to $10,000 range and the DWV typically is going to fall in the higher range Uh, because you're having to do a lot more work within just two units versus uh, being able to get some efficiencies in the high rise.
0: I I want to turn to the topic of funding. Um, If a community association hasn't put away the necessary funds for what clearly is a large capital improvement, like a pipe replacement, how can they fund
1: it? So, um, couple different ways. Uh, you can have the money in your reserves already, um, as we talked about, which is typically not, uh, not the situation unless you've been planning for this or had very detailed reserve studies, which I definitely recommend having a comprehensive reserve study and look at the infrastructure in your building. And when we talk about this, I, I, I'm not just saying this for the sense of your plumbing pipes, but I'm also saying this for elevators, um, I'm saying this for um, other major common elements, the lobby, where you, you need to start planning for these things, electrical. Uh, so reserves is one way that you can pull it out, but that is unfortunately typically not the place because it is not funded to the extent that these costs are. The second would be a special assessment. You know That would be that one time uh, pulling and charging the resident a $10,000 special assessment where um, you know hey the money's due uh, in six weeks from now. Nobody likes the special assessment especially on the larger project. So typically uh, financing is the way to go and financing with rates at the all-time lows is typically the best option and sometimes people do what's called the hybrid of it. They'll do a special assessment for a certain amount and they'll finance the other portion of it. But looking at your funding options, doing reserve studies, you want to do all those things at the front end years in advance so that you're prepared for this. We did a uh, condo timeline um, online meeting just, uh, just recently here, and, and we put together a, a project typically takes 30, 40 weeks to, from the time you say, hey, I want to do this to the time you actually start it with all the work that needs to be done with funding and things along that line and preparing for a project. So when you don't have funding in line, you you even want to start that process earlier, knowing that you're going to have this. So it is no surprise uh, on the community itself.
0: That's a a significant timeline. Uh, I imagine uh, there are situations where a board ignores this kind of problem and puts it off. And I would assume that makes it not only more critical if problems develop, especially given the time frame to fix it, but also probably makes it a lot more expensive.
1: Have you seen those kinds of situations? Yeah, well, you run into a few situations with that. You the the expense situation comes into we've been putting this off. We've been having leaks. We have paid hundreds of thousands of dollars in damages either through our uh, deductible or through we're not able to get the same rate for insurance. And we are paying 30, 40, 100% premium increases due to the fact that our pipe is leaking. And we're throwing that money away on the increase of uh, insurance or the amount of money that we have spent on uh, damages. Uh, the one way uh, that that helps with this is that boards boards change, committees don't. So we always recommend setting up a subcommittee through for for different projects in the building. You know, that's so you could have a subcommittee that's that's on the infrastructure plumbing, and you could have a subcommittee that's on the lobby. You could have a subcommittee that's on the roof because a subcommittee is made up of homeowners that aren't necessarily on the board and they can continue this process and build up what's going to need to be done over time where if you put it on the board and then the board decides either not to run or they're not revoted back in, you're all the way back to square one. By setting up a subcommittee, that subcommittee can continue this process for whatever length of time it is, because as I stated earlier, it's not a matter of if, but it's a matter of when this is gonna happen.
0: So, so David, given what you just said, uh, can, a, can a community
1: association board be liable if they ignore this kind of problem? There have been cases of that out there. Um, I'm obviously not an attorney, so I'm not gonna sit here and, and represent exactly what you are or are not liable for. But there have been situations where uh, boards or communities have been sued due to the fact that they have not taken care of the asset. That is the duty of the board to take care of the asset. And if you are having leaks and damages uh, in residential units that are being caused by something that you're basically burying your head in the sand on, Uh, There have been situations where uh, board members or or communities are sued from their homeowners and and the homeowners have won damages uh, from this. So it's definitely something you want to bring up in one of your board meetings uh, when you have it with your attorney, what your liabilities are as far as a board member and or a community. Now, again, I don't mean an individual board member sued, but the board as a general, which, of course, when you're suing a board as a general, you're also suing the same community that you live within. Uh, I've, I've been with Sagewater for 24 years. I've been in, um, I don't know, five, six, 700,000 board meetings. And we all know that uh, you know, the board works very hard. The board is not paid to do this job. And the only way they get funds to do the work is through the community. So I always look at it, as the community is the board and the board is the community. So whatever affects the board is going to affect the community and whatever is affecting the community is affecting the board.
0: Um, Pennsylvania has a a higher than average uh, elderly population. People who who live on fixed income maybe can't afford uh, an assessment increase that might be associated with this kind of a large capital improvement. Some of them might be forced to sell their homes. What happens in a
1: situation like that? I mean, we've seen a lot of creative financing done uh, through boards. Uh, we did a community that if the homeowner didn't have the funds at the time due to either age or whatever issue, uh, it was put on the cost of the unit when it's sold. So it was structured in a way, and of course interest I'm sure was was applied somehow. I, I don't know all the specific details. I just found it as a very creative option where when the unit was sold at whatever point, the funds were then drawn out of the sale to fund that special assessment and or that loan portion. But again, every community is a little bit different. Um, but... What needs to be realized also is that it, it can be very difficult on, on any resident, any any costs are. But you got to look at what the value of your property is and you got to look at all the other different associated costs that can come from damages that we were just talking about. And when it comes to critical infrastructure, those things aren't going away. It's one thing to say, hey, I'm not gonna rehab my lobby and we're just gonna have a 1969 lobby forever another thing to say hey I'm not going to fix these leaky pipes and or these failing uh, electrical lines due to age constraints.
0: David, um, according to information that that Sagewater shared with us that the volume of properties needing a, a pipe replacement has escalated in the last
1: five to ten years. Can you uh, Can you tell us why that is? It all comes to the amount of construction that was done in the 60s and 70s. Uh, We did a study on a market in uh, Washington, D.C. market, for example, that prior to 1969, there were 350,000 units uh, that were built within this, uh, this zip code. Uh, we looked at what the difference would be in, in 1970 to 1979. So basically, adding 10 more years because those years are coming up of those properties falling in that, you know, 50-year space. There was a, over a 30% increase. Another 126,000 units were falling into that time. So we had a lot of construction within within cities and communities in the and se- 60s and 70s, which. You know, those more and more units are falling in. I, I can't emphasize enough, these, these issues do not go away. Um, so, as your building gets older, these are things that you need to, to be looking at and prepare for. So, it's not that, uh oh, I didn't know this was going to happen, and how am I going to come up with funding to do this project?
0: Right. And, and it's true that if old pipes haven't started leaking yet, they probably will. So, uh, it's best to prepare. What's, what's the best way to make those
1: preparations? For me, a comprehensive reserve study is is key. And when I say comprehensive, it's looking at those capital projects and either looking at what those costs are uh, to start reserving for, uh, especially for communities that are a little bit younger. I mean, you have a property that's 15, 20 years old. Hey, we're going to have to do this in 20 or 30 years. We might as well start you know stocking away a little bit so it's not as big of an issue when it falls in but when you have properties that are falling into that hey i'm already 60 years old 50 years old i'm gonna have to do this sooner than later uh, setting up that uh, that subcommittee that repipe committee to start looking at budget costs what is this project going to cost us you know it doesn't cost you anything to get those numbers you know, budget numbers. I don't mean hard numbers, things along that line where you've hired an engineer, but budget numbers. Hey, yeah, my property is going to cost, you know, $400,000. My property is going to cost $4 million. Having those numbers and you can start exploring and looking at the different things and different financing options uh, that the community and start educating your community. There's nothing worse as a homeowner not knowing what's going on. If you've been uh, clear and talk about it in your board meetings, in your annual meetings, And a a resident say they didn't know about it. That's because they decided not to come to the board meetings or your annual meetings, not because the property hasn't been talking about this. So talking about it and getting it out there is, is important. So it's not a shock to the residents within, within your uh, community. Well, it's universally true. More
0: communication is better than less. So David, I want to thank you for joining me today for this episode of our podcast We hope this information will be helpful to our community association managers and homeowner members who may be planning for projects such as these. If you'd like more information on services provided by Sagewater, please visit them online at www.sagewater.com. I'd also like to recognize our sponsor one more time, Belfort Property Restoration, providing mold, water, fire, storm cleanup, and restoration services, you can find their local office at www.belford.com. For more resources and best practices on managing and governing your condominium, cooperative, or homeowners association, please contact CAI or visit our website at wwwcai paorg